with us on a journey into the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable. We will test your senses and challenge your beliefs. A world where science and religion clash. Or do they? You will meet real people and hear real stories, but you will not believe. You will witness strange sights and hear strange sounds, but you will not believe. This is the New England Ghost Project. Welcome to the Nightmare. Good evening, good morning, good afternoon, wherever you are. Welcome to the original Ghost Chronicles right here on Tojanet. I am Ron Kolick, your host, the gatekeeper of the realm of the unknown, unexplained, and unbelievable New England's own Van Helsing. And with me, my co-host, the Queen of Pain, Maureen Wood. Hey, how you Hello. doing? Boy, that was a little late. Well, because I was on mute. <laughs> so I'm going to be quiet. And I'm thinking, you're not quiet during the music, but just saying. Because I had to shut you Hi. guys up. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> All right, whatever. Yeah, and I hear how well, you are. Well, you know, uh, of course, uh, whatever it is. Anyways, we have a guest today. Keith. <laughs> uh, someone who. Oh, God, you just killed my freaking introduction. Uh, someone who I've known for a while who uh, is um, the founder with his with Sander of Ghost on the Air. He is the original member of TAPS. He is, uh, the, more importantly, the guy that gave me Mary Iguana, the haunted iguana, uh, Keith Johnson, <laughs> anti-immunologist. <laughs> still, well, hello there. Still there? Okay, there you go. This is a slow start. After that intro, he's just, I know, he's just in mm -hmm. awe. <laughs> mm -hmm. So, Keith, it's been a, a while uh, since we spoke to you. What have you been up to? Ugh. And um, so we're all we're all recovered, and I've been uh, did some theater. I, I took some time to do a little bit of theater, which I hadn't done for a little while. So I did some theater oh, back cool. in uh, yeah, back in March. I was um, mm -hmm. with uh, Haas and the kids. We did an original play by Ann Dor Dorsey called Ghost of a Chance, and it was about oh, wow. ghosts, about theater ghosts, you know. <laughs> That is so awesome. that was we, most fun to do. That was a lot of fun to do. You know, Keith, uh, Ann and I, uh, we used to do, uh, every, so, uh, every so odd Christmas, we'd do a live uh, radio production of a show. And I was just thinking you would be awesome to join us on, on that thing. It's, uh, you know, it's just a, a, a audio. It's like old time radio where we, you know, you would have a story like, uh, you know, the shadow or something like that. But we usually had a you know paranormal or, or had to do with uh, uh, Christmas so uh, yeah that would that would be great if you would join us sometime would that would be to. really fun yeah that's that's right up my alley I would love to do something like that mm -hmm. anything like live radio or anything like that the old time radio I, I love things like that certainly so I, all yeah, I have would, to do is ask I will do that <laughs> That will be a blast. Uh, you know, I, Nate, uh, who we both know, is he's a member of your group, uh, uh, and he also works on your uh, TV production as well. Nate uh, 
Mayor, Mayor, I can never see his name. Uh, but uh, he, he's worked with us in the past on that. And, and that's a lot of fun. So, uh, yeah. So do you have a theatrical background? Yes. Yes, I did theater for many years. In fact, uh, let alone fact, that that's how Sandra and I first met and got together. We were in the same show together years ago. So that's that's how we met and got together through theater. So, really? Uh, yeah. Yep. Ah, been interesting. Hey, a little test. Do you remember time. what show it was? <laughs> I I remember very well what show it was. It was a, a show called Once Upon a Mattress. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> That's, that's what the title was, Once Upon the Mattress. It's it's kind of a farce takeoff on The Princess and the Pea. It's a really good musical. It was originally a Broadway musical starring Carol Burnett. Oh, wow. Well, yeah, back in, the, back in 1961, Carol Burnett did that. And, uh, yeah, and I played the prince, and uh, Sandra was a lady in waiting. And that, that's the show we got together in. So that's cool. Yeah, but okay. What what attracted it to you? What attracted her to me? Well, yeah. The, the first time, first time I saw Sandra, I thought, "Wow, she is. Um, she's a very, very lovely woman, and she's very, very quiet, and uh, she seems like she has a nice personality, and." I'm glad to be doing the same in the same theater group as her. And um, uh, one thing led to another. And, uh, you know, we, um, we had our first date after the show, after one of the performances. You know, I said, you yeah, want to go across the street to McDonald's? And <laughs> <laughs> you big spender, you. <laughs> yeah, I know, big spender and everything. I, I got her flowers, too. I got her dandelions and everything, <laughs> you know. <laughs> I like I like to be I like to stay simple, you know. <laughs> yeah, frugal. <laughs> yeah, frugal is right. I'm a I'm a New Englander, so I'm frugal. You could say that. So, from that first date, how long was it before you ended up marrying her? Oh, that was um. Let me see. It was actually four years. Four years. So you have a courtship of four years. Yeah. Very, yep. courtship very, of four very years. much similar to, I think Jan and I's was three. Uh, but uh, uh, how long, Maureen, how long was yours? Six months. <laughs> so, so you had to get married? Is that what you're telling me? No, it's just, you know, I don't know. He just, he was my stalker. So I just said yes. So he'd leave me alone. <laughs> I wish I was kidding. No, but it's been 38 years, so we're still doing something right. Oh, wonderful, wonderful. So, when did you get? Uh, you were in theater. When did you get involved in the, in the paranormal? Was it at the same time, or, or you know, was it later? Well, I had been involved in the paranormal for some time. And, uh, of course, you have to understand, I was really old school, you know. This is before, um, I was involved in the paranormal years before um, you had the major TV shows 
I mean, there was like mm-hmm. in, in search of and things like that, but I was oh, involved yeah. in Paranormal way before, um, you know, the, the, uh, you had the regular popular shows on TV and everything like that. So a lot of people didn't know what I, what I, what I was, you know, into. So, um, Sandra knew, you know, I started telling her the, over dinner, I started telling her the stories right away and what I, you know, my adventures and what I've been through and everything like that. And she, she found that interesting, but she wasn't involved in it at first. She wasn't involved with it for a, for a while, but, um, it's funny because she knew what I did, but then I joined, uh, I had joined TAPS and as you mentioned, you know, I was a member of TAPS mm-hmm. and before the TV show, before Ghost Hunters, uh, of course I used to be, um, the one that would do the blessings, the house blessings. I would lead the house blessings. And oh, that's nice. I yeah. one of my tape recorder, one of my tape recordings home, and I was listening to it for EVP, and he heard me, um, you know, doing the blessing and um, asking if there is a presence here and everything. Suddenly, Sandra looks at me and says, "I'm married to the Exorcist." <laughs> you know. And so, I guess that's, that's what it must have sounded so like. That's like awesome. Yeah. It must have sounded like that in the morning because that's what she said, you know. And uh, but eventually, eventually she developed an interest. And uh, I explained to her that a lot of times spirit voices do come out on the recordings. And instead of being afraid, she was uh, rather interested in that. And uh, finally, she became my partner in crime and the paranormal as well. Yeah, that's that's fun. The uh, when did you uh, so so you were in the theater and then you always you've had this interest in the paranormal for quite a while. But when did you? I mean, I, I talked to you a little bit about religion the last when I asked you to come on the show, and uh, uh, I couldn't hold a candle to you. Even you, you know you you know you stuff pretty well. When did you get so much involved in religion? And because you know eventually you became a demonologist with your brother. Uh, uh, Kyle. Right. Mm-hmm. Yes. And um, I always wanted to, uh, because I was brought up in a, a Christian household, and yep. my brother was more involved in the occult aspects. He did more like studying of the occult and doing experiments and that and everything. But I, I approached it from a Christian standpoint early on. And of course, the first major in-home case, aside from our our own home, because our own home had some spirit activity, but aside from that, of course, uh, was the... Wait, but before before you move on, Keith, uh, talk about your home. Yes, uh, they did that uh, TV show on that, which was the first time I realized you had a sister, too, because it talks all about that case, about your house. What was that show that that it was on? Yeah, that was a haunting. That was an episode of a haunting, and they told our story about how my brother, like I said, my brother was more involved in contacting spirits than I was and, and things mm-hmm. like doing experiments. You know, I, I did some experimentation, but, but uh, he, he really went hot and heavy in it. You know, he's going to contact spirits and prove the existence of spirits. So he started playing with, of course, the spirit board. He, he got a Ouija board out and started playing with that. And lo and behold, he did start getting a response, and he recruited my sister, and 
I didn't <laughs> want to do it as much. You know, I'd, I'd rather be an observer. I just kind of stood by and watched. But he uh, and my sister got their friends, you know, spirit friends on the, on the Ouija board. And one of them was named Sylvia. Sylvia started coming through. And I, I didn't know how real it was, whether it was just the subconscious or whether it was an actual spirit, because we did have things going on in our house once in a while that couldn't be explained. So that's what uh, my brother and my sister were going to contact, see if they could find out who was doing this activity. And they did spell out the name Sylvia. And one day during one of their sessions, uh, my brother asked, where are you? Asked Sylvia, where are you? And it spelled out Cellar, C-E-L-L-A-R. So my brother and sister went down the stairs, turned out turned out the lights and waited for like 10 minutes or so like that. And, well, you know, Sylvia, we're waiting. Can you give us a sign? And all of a sudden there were three bangs on the wall next to them. So um, they figured that they were in communication with a spirit named Sylvia and it answered them by banging three times on the wall. So that's uh, really intrigued them when they got some success. They wanted to contact spirits, and a spirit answered. So it seemed like real spirit phenomena. And that's uh, they started playing with the Ouija board over and over and over. Uh, it became a regular regular hobby for them. You know, it was like a parlor game where they were actually contacting something. Of course, it did start eventually to get a little bit out of control, where uh, the spirit was contacting even when they weren't asking. And... Um, wasn't always nice, and then it then it started uh, appearing. I never saw it, but my brother did did see it, and it scared the you know eventually it scared the wits out of him when he kept uh, seeing the shadow thing go by and walking around, and I was hearing voices. I was hearing voices outside the room, and the record player would turn on by itself and things, and so it was like uh, anybody who says it's not real, well, I know it is real. I know using uh, an Ouija board can really cause spirit phenomena to happen. It doesn't happen with everybody every single time, but every once in a while somebody's going to use it at the right time or the wrong time, if you want to put it that way, and and something is going to come through. The thing is that uh, once you've asked it to come through, doesn't mean it's just going to go away, especially if you don't do things right, because you are supposed to, not that I condone using it, but mm-hmm. when somebody does use it, you are supposed to say goodbye and, uh, you know, a greeting, and you're supposed to politely say goodbye and end the session, too. You just don't leave it hanging. You just don't walk away. So, um, yeah, we, we did run into some trouble with that uh, when we were teenagers, young teenagers. We uh, did get some spirit activity there. Well, I mean, you say something. Right, today. Yeah, so today I was doing, uh, looking up some different cases or some uh, YouTube videos that you were in, Keith, and I think I noticed one of them that uh, showed a picture of your brother, your twin brother, Carl, uh, 18 years old, approximately, I think you said, um, with um, Lorraine Warren. And was that, I think that was the Conjuring, right? The Conjuring House? Yeah. Yes. They were in the cellar of the Conjuring House. Yes. That's, um, yeah, my brother... Uh, Donna Eisenstadt, who was the um, chairperson of the group we're in, Pyro, at Rhode Island College, and Lorraine Warren and uh, Carolyn Perrin, they're in there. And they, Carolyn's giving, giving them all a tour of their cell, of her cellar there. 
or a haunted cellar because the whole house was haunted. But uh, yeah, that's uh, back when Carl was 18. Carl and I were both 18 years old. Well, yeah. that's just a few years ago, though. <laughs> right, a few years ago, a few years, you know. Just a few. But we're so, both the same age, obviously, being twins. So, so uh, going back to the Ouija board for one second, uh, you know, I, I on the, we actually touched upon it on the international show just prior to this one. And I mentioned that I had somebody that I wanted, that a very good friend of mine who uh, has done work for me in the, the past. And uh, uh, I asked them to design a Ouija board uh, for SferaQuest. And mm -hmm. uh, he wouldn't do it because uh, we, not because he wouldn't do it for me. He would definitely do it for me. He's, you know, he'd be more than happy to do anything for me. But he wouldn't do it because he didn't, you know, because it was a Ouija board. So my my thoughts is this: is what's your thoughts on the Ouija board? Are, are Ouija boards safe? Are they not safe? Should we use them? Should we not use them? Personally, I would say I would recommend not to use them. That that's me personally. That I would recommend not to use them. I don't use them, and it's and the reason I don't use them is because I've seen it get out of control. Now, I, you know, obviously a lot of, uh, obviously young people like to play with these things. And mm -hmm. they, uh, I think most of the time, most of the time it's somebody's subconscious. You know, you're actually asking questions and you're answering them yourself. You're formulating answers in your mind and your fingers are going to go to whatever letters on the planchette. And the uh, planchette is going to go to whatever letters of the alphabet are on there. And yes and no, of course. And um they like using an eight ball. Remember the eight ball? The old eight I have ball one right here. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that, was, that was fun. Yeah. It's kind of like that, except, um, you know, when you really get into the uh, communication, the fact is that you're using your own body. You're using your hands to move the planchette, and you're actually inviting. Can you answer the questions for me? You're asking a spirit to actually manipulate your motor control, move your hands and everything. So, so at the, you're giving it permission, and not all spirits are, are nice. Not all spirits are good. And some mm -hmm. spirits are going to take advantage of things, and they're going to, uh, if you're asking them to move your hands, well, that's surrendering. I give you some, I give you at least some of my motor control to answer these questions. Like I said, most of the time I think it's uh, people's subconscious, but, uh, Every once in a while, there can be a malevolent spirit around that's really going to take advantage of somebody. And there are some spirits who have no hesitation to take advantage of a lonely person or a lonely teenager and and uh, really try to get, get permission to infiltrate somebody's psyche or somebody's house. Mm -hmm. That's, that's what's my, my belief. So, Maureen, what's your thoughts? Um, for me, I mean, as when I was young, we used one once, um, cause I actually, you know, that's the one I had given you, Ron, I that know. we had a couple times. Yeah, you know, um, but you know, I think it's a tool like everything else and that's my opinion, but I will say that I've been a big advocate for me that it's not a toy. It's not something that you should just, you know, everybody just runs and plays with it. Um, and whenever, you know, working with energy, it's like, 
I really believe shouldn't be drinking, shouldn't be having anything in your body that's going to cause you to not be in, you know, as much control as you can be, if that makes sense. Um, it's like not allowing yourself to be put in a place that is unsafe. So, so, Keith, what what is the difference between the Ouija board and, for instance, EVP? When people go on and say, is there anybody there who wants to speak to us? Aren't you inviting whatever? And you're not even being specific in this case. You're just inviting anybody in. Is, is there a difference? There is there is a difference, but I wouldn't say there's a major difference. Um, the difference is that uh, you're not using your hand, you're not using your your body or your psyche to communicate with the spirit, asking it to move your hands and your psyche. However, uh, doing record recording asking spirits for EVP is um, that can be very dangerous too. Uh, in fact, uh, I don't I don't do that anymore. You know, for years. Yes, for years I asked, I asked questions and, um, you know, but it just, it just, there's so many dangers, so many possibilities of danger that I actually stopped doing that. I stopped doing that because I was getting too many answers that, uh, you know, it seemed to be the same spirit over and over. So I was very, very concerned about this. So mm-hmm. that's why. That's why I start. I stopped asking questions. So, is it any different? Now we have the, the EVPs and that. Is there any difference than like if you're in in a room and you just say, uh, "If there are any spirits here, give us a sign." Uh, you know, and uh, they'll say, you know, move something, touch someone, touch one of us, or, or whatever. Is that any different? I mean, to me, it it, it seems like it's all the same. Yeah, that's um, that's another thing I, I would disagree with asking. Can you touch one of us to show us you're here? Mm. I think that can be very dangerous too. It it sounds harmless. It does sound harmless, but asking to touch someone—that's giving permission. And it's just I've been involved with these things for so long. And I've seen more and more how dangerous this can be. Is somebody asking them to touch somebody and somebody, I give you permission to touch me. That's, uh, that can start a chain reaction when somebody says, I give you permission to touch me. That nece- not necessarily totally dangerous, but it can start a chain reaction. And it's just, um, I try to avoid this myself as much as possible. I do record when I'm in a, in a house that has paranormal activity, I do I do record it, and I probably shouldn't. I probably shouldn't, but what I do, I, I record it so I can tell who's who's where, when, and everything. And every once in a while, a spirit voice will come on, and that's proof of the paranormal. You know that there is a paranormal thing. For example, um, that a couple of years ago, I was in a house that this couple that really had nothing to do with the paranormal. And they were, I guess, using this house as a summer home, but things kept happening and, and they just kept happening to them. And they said, well, we're really not religious. And we just, um, we, we uh, keep seeing, hearing these things and things are moving. Can you please come in and investigate just to, just to see if something's here? And we came through, I, I asked them, I said, well, would you like uh, it to conclude with a house blessing? And yeah, they said, yes, because we want to, we want to live in comfort while we're here, while we're renting this house. 
And yeah, we uh, went through. We got a number, a number of EVP, quite quite a lot of EVP that just um, you know kept talking to us and everything. So we played it to them and said, "Well, this is this is what we're hearing. You do have spirit activity here. This is obviously not a car going by. It's not a CB radio. This is something that's saying intelligent. Uh, it's saying intelligent statements, and it's very relevant to what we're doing here. So." Um, we're going to do the house blessing, and hopefully that will stop it. We did the we did the house blessing, and that seemed to end it completely. They were they were totally relaxed after that, and never had any spirit activity again for the whole time they lived there. And I wish every I wish every case we did was as easy as that, but it's not. Unfortunately, it's not. You know, we come there and do a house blessing, and everything stops. Unfortunately, it's, there's just so much to take into consideration. It's the person's personality and you know why this is happening and some people have mental illness and and emotional strife and things like that so there's always a lot of things to take into account and sometimes a a house blessing will work it will work very well uh very very quickly but Mm -hmm. some people live in so much fear and everything they almost seem to invite it back by just just living in, in such fear uh, we we especially lately, especially lately, we've been on some very very difficult cases and um, people I know. And sometimes I'm not always there in person. It's it's people out of state that I'm um, talking with and over the phone with. And I'm trying to help them as much as possible. Trying to get another group in there so they can help them out. But sometimes it's 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 very very difficult. And I. You know, have had a couple of long-term cases really recently, well, Keith, very I'm recently. Gonna, gonna, uh, we'll talk about that when we come back. We're going to take a break right now. All right, certainly, okay. certainly. Yeah, you are listening to Ghost Chronicles, the original Ghost Chronicles with Maureen Wood and Ron Kolick right here on TojiNet. Our special guest is Keith Johnson. And we are brought to you by Circles of Wisdom, 386 Merrimack Street, Bethune, Massachusetts, the Gallant Messier Family Law Group, 15 High Street, North Andover, Massachusetts, and our very, very good friends on Ghost Chronicles Radio and Patreon. You too can become a member. Uh, this over 30 videos, and uh, we'll be right back after the following messages. Do you have a paranormal event, book, or something else you want people to know about? Then why not advertise it on Ghost Chronicles Radio? With over 150,000 downloads a month, get your message out to an audience that's interested in the subject. We have a plan at a cost that fits your needs. For more information, contact Ron Kolick at anyghostproject at comcast.net or call 978-455-6678. Hello. Hello, can you hear me? My name is Harry Price. I am speaking to you via the medium of the Ghost Box. Many of you will know I carried out the first live radio broadcast from Haunted House way back in 1936 for the BBC. Now, thanks to the wonders of modern technology, I am still able to keep abreast of 21st century ghost hunting by listening to Ghost Chronicles International on Togginet, Parax Radio, The Ghost Channel, and even on something called a podcast. 
two splendid chaps host it. One is an American who calls himself New England's own Van Helsing, although I have discovered his real name is Ron Kolek. The other is Stephen Parsons, and he's a paranormal scientist. Well, mustache, I'm required elsewhere on something called a K2. But don't forget, I'll be listening in every Tuesday from 8 o'clock in Great Britain and 3 o'clock on the American Eastern Seaboard. I trust you will join me there. back and Ron's going to add the rest. <laughs> you can Wait read the script when next you time. You don't need a script. Uh, yep. We're back. Ghost you're Chronicles. Listening, you're listening to Ghost Chronicles right here on Tojanet Radio. And our special guest today is Keith Johnson. My God. It's been so long. I know. Sorry. Keith, uh, are you still there? Are you yes, I am. First here. Out, I am here. First yes. out laughing. <laughs> Anyways, uh, you were, uh, before I interrupt you in the very beginning of the show, you were talking about uh, your first case, I believe. Uh, you said that your house was haunted, then I interrupted you there, and then you said uh, your first, something about your first case, and, and I missed it. I don't know if you want to add that now or not. Oh, yeah, certainly, certainly. My, my first in-home case, aside from our own home, which had activity, but, you know, we used to uh, go over to a friend's house, and I had a friend who lived in a very old house, and he had paranormal activity in his house, and then I had another friend who um, moved into the next town, and he wound up having paranormal activity in his house, and just, you know, friends in our house had paranormal activity, of course, that started to get out of control, but um, eventually... What happened, of course, we we uh, joined, my brother Carl and I joined PIRO, Parapsychological Investigation and Research Organization in at Rhode Island College. And how we got involved in that is we went to see Ed and Lorraine Warren, who were key speakers there one evening, and, oh, speakers of the supernatural, we have to go see Ed and Lorraine Warren. And that, we actually met Ed and Lorraine Warren there and uh, obviously became lifelong friends with them. And we also were approached by a group there. In fact, the chairperson had actually invited the Warrens there as, as speakers, and they, their name was Pyro, and for short. And they asked, uh, gee, you, you guys um, seem to have a history with this. Would you like to talk at one of our meetings, or one of our weekly meetings? And we said, well, we, we'd be glad to. So... Um, my brother Carl and um, myself and a couple of other friends who had some experiences came to us a couple of their meetings as their guest speakers. And before long, they said, hey, you want to join and become members? And so we did. And that's that's how we started. That was uh, the first time we were actually in an organized group there instead of just you know freelancing on our own. And it was while we're in this group that, now you have to remember, this is back in the Stone Age. And at least it seemed like the Stone Age, you know, back in the 70s. And there was no internet or anything like that. And Gee, how do we get the word? I mean, we know Ed and Lorraine Warren now, but uh, 
how do we get the word out about our group? So I came up with this brilliant idea. You know, I'm going to uh, I'm going to put a little ad in a local paper. I'm going to design it and you know draw borders on it and make it look gothic and I'm going to put it in the local paper and it'll probably just be ignored and laughed at. You know, but uh, I thought, well, it's worth a shot. So I did put this in um, in the local paper and it was published. Then uh, three weeks later, um, we got an answer to that ad. And I said, oh, yeah, that's right. I did put an ad in the paper, didn't I? And, well, somebody just answered it three weeks later. Um, a woman named Carolyn Perrin, who lived in Harrisville, Rhode Island, and two years before, she had moved into a, a, a colonial house built in 1736. And right away, her daughters began seeing spirits. In fact, these spirits to them were so real. When they first moved in, they thought there was just a friend of the family visiting, but um, until the person didn't say anything, and then it wasn't there anymore. And Carolyn began being targeted while she was living in this house, some very unpleasant activity. So she asked us, "Would you, so you do investigations, would you mind coming to my farmhouse in Harrisville, Rhode Island, and they were just looking around and investigating? And told us a story, and then she looks at us and says, so you think I'm crazy? <laughs> and I said, we know, no, we're not, we're not here to judge. We don't, we don't think so. And apparently, she had been ridiculed by, by family members and even by, uh, by a member of the church. You know, one of, uh, a priest had um, really ridiculed her for this. And so we came and went through the house, and we did experience uh, quite a bit of activity. You know, for just being there, of course, this family lived there. But for just being there one ne- one evening, one night, we did experience quite a lot of activity, and it wasn't good. It wasn't all good either. Uh, my brother Carl was upstairs, and he saw a cloudy, a dark shape, a dark, cloudy figure coming down the hallway, which then disappeared. And, you know, he's thinking, was it something I said? <laughs> and and. I was upstairs. The uh, the girls, the daughters, they had five daughters. Carolyn and Roger Perrin had five daughters, and Andrea was the eldest. And the daughters really took a liking to me because I had very, very long hair at the time, you know, it's, um, which I, I guess if I grew my hair like that now, I'd look like Benjamin Franklin. But <laughs> but I had to, that was the style back then. I had very long hair. And they took me by the wrist and they led me all through the, the grounds and the property and they took me upstairs and they said they were very, very afraid in, in the bedrooms upstairs. And I, I really felt that there was, I started feeling nauseous. I started feeling almost like there was some kind of electric current, but it was drawing, drawing energy. It was drawing energy out of me. And there was a window next to me that couldn't be closed because of the August, it was August, there was August humidity. Roger, the father, had even tried hammering it shut, but it was just no way it would shut. They'd have to wait till the cool, cooler weather came, so they just left it open. And uh, the girls were telling me how afraid they were, and I told them, I asked them, well, do you have any religious beliefs? They, they replied, yes, we're Catholic. So I suggested to them, well, when you're afraid, why don't you try calling upon the name of Jesus? As soon as I said that, that window came down with such, such tremendous force. That split second, it just... It practically smashed. That's how uh, loud it was. And the girls screamed. And then one of the girls who was sitting on the bed, Nancy Perrin, she got slapped 
on the left side of her head so hard. Her hair went up, and she's screaming and crying, holding onto her head. Something slapped me. Something slapped me. So, yeah, it was a very, very frightening situation, but I realized I'm the closest thing to an adult that's in this room. I have to, I have to keep in control. So I, I told them, don't be afraid. Call upon the name of Jesus. And then it just left the room. Suddenly the room went back to normal. And you could tell they felt it too. The girls looked around and said, it's gone. It's gone. Now it didn't, it didn't leave the house, but it certainly hightailed it out of that room, whatever it was. And uh, we came back downstairs and told Carolyn. And so afterwards, at the end of the night, we all talked and we were, we were convinced. Um, I know uh, our chairperson, Donna and Carl had heard heavy footsteps going upstairs and Roger, the husband, had left. He used to uh, leave for long business trips because he sold uh, jewelry. So he had left for a business trip. There was nobody upstairs. And they heard these heavy footsteps. And Carolyn just waved that. Oh, that, that happens all the time. We're, that's nothing. We're used to that. But she, she'd uh, experienced uh, quite a bit of frightening phenomena. She was cutting an orange one time, and blood started spurting out of it. And Blood? seeping between her toes and she was very upset over that another time she had just come out of the bath the bathroom and she was um drying off in the next room suddenly a coat hanger left up and this is one of those really old-fashioned heavy wooden coat hangers left left off the coat rack and started wrapping her in the head several times and something really didn't like her so that's why she was so anxious to have somebody come in and and experience this for themselves and and know that she wasn't crazy. So we said, we, we totally believe you. We totally believe you. We were going so to come back the times, next week. Keith? Yes. Yes. Oh, see, I was just going to ask you that. What did you do as far as going back? Yeah, we, we told her that we would come back the next week, but we said, in the meantime, if anything happens, please give us a call. Give us a call right away. And Carolyn said, oh, I promise I will. And she couldn't thank us enough for actually believing her instead of ridiculing her and coming over and experiencing it uh, for ourselves. Well, it was uh, midweek. Carolyn, uh, Donna, our chairperson, had just, uh, Donna Eisenstadt, had just gotten home from school. And when the phone was ringing, she ran and picked it up, and it was Carolyn. She was just frantic, frantic. She had had this experience early that morning, just while it was starting to get light. Uh, She was in her bedroom. Her husband was sleeping next to her, and something exploded. She heard something explode on her dresser, like a firework or something. And then she looked over at the foot of her bed, and it's hard to describe what she saw. It looked it looked like a woman, a uh, woman wearing an 18th century gray dress, but this woman looked like a like a corpse, just basically like a zombie, like a corpse, just floating there. And started saying this um, this chant, just started chanting over and over and over. And all Carolyn could remember at the time was that it said to her, I'll drive you mad with death and gloom. I'll drive you mad with fiery brooms. I'll drive you out, but twill be too late. You'll be dead. And then it vanished. Oh, that's pleasant. Meanwhile, yeah, that's very, very unpleasant experience. Meanwhile, she was punching her husband, but he just would not wake up. Not until it vanished. Then he he woke up. Now, he himself had gouges on his back um, that were bleeding. So Carolyn was very, very distraught. She says, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. And so 
we decided that we were going to call in Ed and Lorraine Warren and ask them, you know, what would you do? You know, you have all these years of experience. And they were our friends. So we called them in and uh, they said, well, we'll do more than advise you. We'll actually come down there and, and investigate with you. So they came down that Saturday. And that is that is how actually Ed and Lorraine Warren became involved. I know they don't show that in the movie The Conjuring, but this is, <laughs> um, you know, the story that became The Conjuring. Uh, became the movie The Conjuring when the story was told. and uh, So that's how Ed and Lorraine became involved in that. Oh, wow. Yeah, you know, it's interesting, but even, I know that it's fictionalized, but that was one of the movies. I mean, I've watched many, obviously, like everybody, horror movies over the years. But when, you, when I watch that one, for some reason, that one actually, let's just say, struck a chord. Um, oh, yeah. And I know it was fictionalized, but there's just something about it, especially if, you know, for those of us who've gone out and you feel energy and you communicate and you, you know, you do paranormal investigating. It just it does. It strikes a chord and not a very good one. You know, it's terrifying. I'm I'm very glad you said that. Actually, I'm very glad you brought that up, because I think uh, even though the Conjuring movie is uh, largely fictionalized, there are certain aspects of that that anybody who's been in this field for a number of years and has been in some of the darker situations uh, where you actually go into a house that, that does have this terrible uh, negative energy, they can, it's something about that movie you can relate to it. It's saying, that strikes a chord. I've been through this. I know this is real. So I'm very glad you, you mentioned that and that, that you did feel that way, that it does... Uh, strike a quarter from familiarity when uh, you see that movie and you know there are because it is right. a reality James Wan James Wan actually um, he's a master at, at his craft he's a master at these uh, horror films uh, but and he did the Saw movies too but he himself James Wan would not set foot near that house the real house he would not set foot near the Harrisville farmhouse he said no way am I going near that oh. I'm not even going I'm not even going on the road by it yeah Wow, that's interesting. I mean, wasn't yeah. that house recently purchased? Yes, yes, it, it was. Um, it was recently uh, purchased, and uh, very, very nice lady. Who's I haven't met her yet, but uh, of course, Corey and Jen Heinsen are good friends of mine. They owned it since 2019. Um, you know, and they 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 did their time there. They uh, very very generous people. Uh, they. Had, they've got booked up till uh, till the end of the year, and they're going to honor those commitments, of course, like that. But uh, Corey and Jen, you know, have had enough because it's something that really takes it's full time when when you're mm-hmm. managing a right. house like that. Having one seven nights a week, you're having investigations. It, it really you can't do anything else. It, it really takes over your life. So you know they they've had their time there, and that's that's why they decided to sell it. But um, yeah, I met I met nice them time. at. At the Ocean State Paracon, they had the, actually the booth next to mine, and uh, you were well, you, you were right across from me, too, coming, I think of it. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, yeah, it, so I was going to ask you about that. You know, that, that that's the house you investigated originally, right? Yes, yes, that's the house we investigated originally, yes. So what, what happened to the entities, uh, and if... They opened it up to paranormal investigating. Is was that wise if these entities were that horrible, or 
what's your thoughts? Well, my my personal thoughts um, on that, because I've been familiar with that house for many years. Of course, it it ended, and the true story for the, with the parents kind of um, ended in. Uh, well, they did a seance, of course. Ed Lorraine came there and, and did a seance, and that had disastrous results, especially for Carolyn. She wound up uh, being taken over and being thrown, literally thrown out of a chair and landing in a heap. And she was, Carolyn was a very, very thin woman, and she was losing, dramatically losing weight. And so she hit that floor. It was like uh, her head just uh, hit the floor, and Ugh. Very, very disastrous. That's, that's I don't condone seances either. But um, that you know that can happen. Mm. But uh, <laughs> say that again, they, Keith. No. <laughs> Just saying. Not that Go I don't ahead. I don't condone seances either because that was a disaster right. when they had that seance there and Carolyn went flying out of the chair, began talking in a deep guttural voice, and uh, she was very, very traumatized because of that. The parent family lived there for a good ten years before they they sold it, and you know they they still loved the house. They missed it, but they they eventually had to leave. And the house is, uh, yeah, there's there's investigators there seven nights a week. It's really booked up. Uh, but I believe I do. I have been there, and I have captured EVP there. Even when I'm not asking questions, uh, especially when Sandra and I are there, for some reason that seems to set it off. But I've never felt that that terrible that feeling, that really really dark dark feeling. I do believe it's the same spirits there, but I've never experienced that uh, dark threatening feeling I did in my first night there, um, for for whatever reason, for whatever reason. And I think do you it, think it, do you think it was yeah. because the parents were there? I think it was because the parents were there. Yeah, not that they were doing anything wrong. Right. It's no, just, I'm not saying that. But yeah, yeah they for right. some reason was, they didn't like them. Yeah. Well, they did. I like mean, them. Uh, right. Didn't. The families, they all it was members of the Arnold family, either through the Richardson and Arnold family. Since that house was built in 1736, it had always been the Richardsons and the Arnolds that had lived there. In fact, it's known as the Arnold Estate. But um, and they were all blood related or marriage related in some ways. The parent family was the first family that were not related in any way, shape, or form to the Arnold family. And you know, a young young couple, Roger and Carolyn, were very young. They had five daughters of all various ages. So, uh, so it just you know from five to fifteen. So it really, really uh, something about their energy. It just set it off. It really, really set it off. Yeah. And yes, there is activity there now. Yeah, yeah, there is. There, there is activity there now, but um, it's not nearly as violent or as um, I, I would say. It's just I do believe it's the same spirits. It's just not uh, not really attacking people like it would. Some people do get scratched and and things like that and touched, but it really doesn't go after people like it did. Now, I, I said it lightheartedly, Keith, about the uh, seances, because many years I had done them when I was younger. Um, it was almost I was being trained by someone. But then when I started enjoying the ghost project, that was it was Ron. We had this little um, Ron would say, what do you used to call it, Ron? 
Oh, uh, seated communication by candlelight. Seated communication. I'm like, that is a seance. So that's why when you said it, I was like, can you say that again? <laughs> because, you know, it, it was just, just to try to be lighthearted because I, you know, yes, it's it's another thing that I know is very serious. But, you know, where we were at the time um, in North Adams at the Houghton Mansion, uh, and that was, I think, the wow. first seance we had done with the group. Yeah. That was the first investigation at the uh, Houghton Mansion, actually. So, yeah, that was right, all right. brand new before Berkshire Paranormal found 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 themselves after us and everything. Yeah, that was uh, that was intriguing. Yeah. yeah. So, anyways, Keith is going to be uh, at SpurQuest this year. Uh, so, Maureen, uh, I don't think you've met him, but you'll have the chance this uh, fall. So, uh, October first. Oh, perfect. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, that'd be, I'm looking forward to meeting you, Keith, in person. Yeah, I'm looking, very much looking forward to meeting you and talking more about, um, with you about your experiences, because you seem to have an extensive, extensive background in the oh, God, realm she? of the past. <laughs> yes, I do. Um, yeah, it's, it's uh, been very interesting with the Ghost Project for many years, put it that way. Uh, even before uh, though. Even before that, I know. <laughs> don't don't blame so. me for everything. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not blaming you, but um, yeah, I've pretty much seen and experienced spirit since I've been very young. Um, so, well, and Ron Maureen, was just I, I was also joining the group. Yeah. Huh. I I want to get your whole story because it sounds very intriguing. Oh, well, we'll yeah. talk about it at Spirit Quest. Yes. And we'll Great. see. Hopefully you'll still talk to me after. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure I will. I'm sure I will. I, I haven't done so, everything right. I've made mistakes and everything. So I've done, I haven't done everything right. You, you, it's not you haven't made mistakes. You've learned lessons. There's a difference. You've learned. Well, that's you've good. learned, that's right? Good way. Of putting, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Good, good yeah, way of putting it. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, I don't go, uh, in, I don't go into what, buildings anymore. You know? One of the things I I did wanted to talk about we we I, in fact I asked you about it but we kind of got on was it uh, your your background religious background because you raised up did you do any additional studying? Uh, in oh yes, yeah I've, done, yeah, I've done quite a bit of studying mm-hmm. over over the years. I have uh, I've done you know a lot of it's personal experiences, but I have uh, I have read a lot too. I have read a lot mm-hmm. and uh, really, you know, I really get into it very, very deep. And the reason why, of course, I have my religious beliefs, so the, the reason why these things do happen and mm-hmm. why certain people are targeted. And, yeah, it goes into, you know, very, very deep in, into theology. But um, basically, you know, in a nutshell, it's that there there are evil spirits. There are good spirits and there are evil spirits. and uh, the Evil spirits will take advantage when they can, and because uh, because they tend to advertise, you know, uh, they tend to be like pretend to be their their spirits of children, lost children, and they need help. Can you please take me home with you, and you know, take me home and love me? Things things like that. There there are a lot of deceptive spirits out there too. So, so, when, so uh, when you say evil spirits, are are you talking demons? Or are you just talking yeah. bad spirits that die, people that died? Uh, Basically, I'm I'm talking demons. Basically, okay. I'm talking demons. Yeah. Do you do you believe that some spirits are just haven't changed when they pass over? 
uh, uh, haven't passed over. They're still here, evidently. So, uh, in other words, they might have been a son of a bitch in this life, and and if they haven't changed, they're still a son of a bitch in the uh, afterlife. And it, it, do you that, believe that? Yeah, or? That's, that's, yeah, that's kind of hard to tease apart because uh, I don't, you know, Sandra and I don't believe that spirits being trapped in a building. Uh, is a natural state. We don't believe it's a natural state when when somebody has passed on that they're trapped because they were so evil. Um, but also because some people, when they've lived done, you know, lived a very very negative life, they attract other spirits. They attract other spirits along with them. So mm-hmm. uh, misery loves com- company. So uh, it's it's more that I believe that these spirit that these people attracted negative negative spirits. And for some reason, and this is a mystery, this is a mystery, for some reason, once that person dies, passes on from this life, it somehow gives that demonic spirit permission to take over their life. Like if they lived in a certain house and they attracted a demonic spirit, that demonic spirit is often going to stay on there. Somehow it gives it permission to stay on there. Oh, okay. uh, That makes sense. It's a mystery. It's a mystery, but it does does seem to uh, that does just seem to uh, be a cause and effect there. So are all. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Sorry, Ron. Um, So you mentioned that you had done the blessing at the house and it was one of, you know, one of the times that the blessing worked. So I have actually had several instances, you know, of talking with people that have had, you know, they'll have a blessing done. And my thoughts are. I mean, really, I guess I'm asking you a question. Um, have you experienced, you know, times we've done a blessing and then have gone and then the people in the house are actually, for whatever reason, causing that spirit activity to come back again? Yes. Yes, definitely. Definitely. And um, obviously, if somebody's going to be contacting the same spirit and everything, it's going to come back, obviously. But but sometimes it's more complicated than that. Sometimes a person just mm-hmm. lives in fear and cannot let go of their fear, and they they almost hold on right. to. They feel like a security blanket, and it's it's very. I'm I'm involved in some really difficult cases now, where um, we're trying to help people, and we can help them to a certain extent. But uh, and mm-hmm. one of them is a a pastor, a pastor and his wife. They're very dear friends of mine. They live out in Kentucky, so I haven't been out to visit them yet. But, Unfortunately, uh, Keith, you're not going to believe this. We're yeah. just about out of time, so we'll have to hear this story. Are you another. kidding me? No, we're coming up to the, the end of the yeah. show, and uh, seems like we just started. <laughs> so, I Keith, know. <laughs> if people want to find out more about you, where can they? Okay, you can. We're very easy to find. Uh, Keith and Sandra Johnson. We're on Facebook, and you can find us on at Ghosts Are Near. Nearparanormal dot com is our website. Nearparanormal dot com, and that way you can find us. And we also have our YouTube show, Ghosts Are Near, where you can see that. That's the Ghosts Are Near show, and you can just uh, look that up on YouTube and find that too. It's a it's a monthly show that we do. Okay, we've got to wrap it up. Thank you, Keith, for so much for being on the show. And uh, Very we'll welcome. talk again. Pleasure. Certainly. Talk to you soon. Yeah, Maureen, thank Thanks you so much for joining us, Maureen. Uh, it's been. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. So, anyways. Been, uh, thanks. Yeah. It's, <laughs> right, it's time for today's last word. 
And today's last word is brought to you by Malcolm X. Uh, said uh, after breaking up a fight the moment before he was shot. Brothers, brothers, please, this is a house of peace. And that's the last word. to ghosties, long-leggedy beasties, and things that go bump in the night. Deliver us, good Lord.